Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. And uh, some of you are back from vacation, and we're glad you're back. Some of you are gone again. We'll have folks gone all summer, and that's good. I'm glad we can go on vacation. Uh, Jamie and Donna Cable, it's good to have you all with us. Good friends. Good to have you. Keith, good to have you back. Good to see you. My good friends, Tammy and Richard are in the back with Debbie. We have a lot of visitors today. It's good to see you. God bless you. I won't take a lot of time in introduction. Just turn with me to John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. Uh, today we have a gospel invitation and an introduction to the Holy Spirit in just four verses. Powerful verses, profound teaching from the book of John. Let me read it to you, then we'll pray and we'll talk about it briefly. We have the Lord's Supper today. We'll observe. I promise to finish up and get you out at a reasonable hour. John chapter 7, beginning with verse 37. Erlene, good to see you with us. And Neil, too. I'm glad you're with us. God bless you. On the last and important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. And he said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Father, thank you for your word. I just pray that you'll speak clearly to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage is very important to understand the context of it. It occurred at the Feast of Shelters, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tents, eight-day celebration. And in that time, the people of Jerusalem would come together. They would gather around the temple. It commemorated a time when the nation of Israel had no water. And and they became angry at Moses because he couldn't provide them water. Brought them out in the desert, had no water. And so Moses, at the instruction of God, struck the rock, and from the rock flowed water. And so during this celebration, the people would build tents. Uh, we did this several years ago in Bible school. If you believe how, uh, it was, it was wild. Uh, I had to lead Bible school that year in Bible study and we had to do the, a different festival. So one night we built tents downstairs and, and this was what every family did. They would build a tent along the streets in Jerusalem. And every day the priest would take two golden pitchers and he would travel to the pool of Salome and he would come back. As he came back, the people would sing and shout Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2 or verse 3. And it says, you will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his name. And so that's what they did. And then the priest would pour these two pitchers of water over the altar. And all the people would shout that God had provided water. On the eighth day, the preacher, the uh, priest did not go to the pool. Because that commemorated the last day of the festival and the day when the nation of Israel was in the promised land and God gave them water. So they didn't didn't have to go get it. God gave it to them. And so it was on this day that Jesus was in the temple teaching. Now, actually, verse 14 of John says that he came on the fourth day. So Jesus came to the temple on the fourth day and he began teaching in the synagogue, in the temple there and proclaiming 
his message about the Messiah. But during that time, uh, much of his teaching was pretty controversial. But so on this last day, when everything is pretty quiet, and there's the, the celebration is pretty subdued, there's not a lot of shouting and, and loud worship, there's quiet worship for what God had done. In the midst of all that, understand also that the rabbi, when he normally taught, he would sit down. And everybody would kind of gather around the rabbi when he taught. But Jesus now had a crowd of people that were listening to him. And everything was kind of quiet in the temple. And Jesus stands up. And the Bible says that he stood up and cried out. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So he's talking to all the people in the temple. And then he says, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. So I want to, I want to just go through these points quickly. I got four quick points with you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it. Number one, if anyone is thirsty, I, I want you to hear a universal appeal to the gospel. Anyone, whosoever, if anybody is thirsty and, and most of you know what it's like to be thirsty, a powerful, powerful urge. You can't resist it. If you're thirsty, you're going to go get water. You know exactly what it is. You're, you're going to, you don't want to do anything until you get water. That's the most important thing that you can do. Jesus is acknowledging these people live in a land that's pretty arid, pretty, pretty dry. They understand how difficult and how precious water is. But he's not talking about physical water. He, he's, he's acknowledging spiritual water. They're thirsty people. They're people that live in a land that don't know that they need more. They're unhappy. They're dissatisfied. They're longing for something that they don't have. And Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, that's the first thing we got to do is we got to know we're thirsty. We got to acknowledge our thirst. I'm going to give you a couple passages of scripture that I encourage you to write down and go back and look at. And over in Isaiah chapter 55, the prophet Isaiah says to the people of Israel in verse one, come everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. You without silver, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without silver, without cost. Why? Listen to the church. Why do you spend silver on what's not food and your wages on what doesn't satisfy? And so we all have a spiritual thirst. If, if you haven't come to Christ, you're thirsty spiritually. You, you, have a, you have a desire for God. You have a desire for him that, that, that will leave you restless and dissatisfied and discontent. You know, some people come to this late, come to Christ late in their life. Some people never come. And that, and I, I think that's the great dissatisfaction that people have in the world today is they don't know Christ. They have, they have a part of their life that God has created. God has made for us. We can fill with other things. Sometimes we fill them with possessions. Sometimes we fill them with people. You know, we can, we can bring people into our life to fill our need for God and our children or our grandchildren. And we can worship them, but they don't feel that need that only God can provide. Some people go after idol philosophies. They go, go to the bookstore and find one of these, one of these great new age philosophies and they latch on to it and they say, this is the way to happiness. But I will tell you, without Christ, we're all going to be thirsty. So Jesus says, if you're thirsty, whoever, anyone, it's an open invitation. An open invite. Number two, come to Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, they should come to me. 
Come to me and drink. John chapter 4, back a, a few chapters ago, everyone who drinks this water, talking about the water from the well that Samaritan, that the Samaritan woman had, Jesus said everybody who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water I give them will never get thirsty again. If you drink from the water of the world, you're gonna, you're gonna have to keep drinking. You're gonna, you're never gonna be satisfied. You're always gonna need more. If you're, if you're going after possessions, you can never get enough possessions. If, if you're going after relationships, your relationships will never be perfect enough for you. If you, if you're going after whatever, it'll never be enough until you find Christ. Jesus says, whoever drinks the water that I give them will never get thirsty again. And that water is a relationship with Him. That water is, is intimacy with Him. It's, it's personal involvement with Him. That's what that water is. Jesus says you gotta have that. That's a, that's open to us. We, I don't care where you are. I don't care how smart you are, how educated, how understanding, how experienced, how talented. You, you, you gotta have the spiritual water that only Christ provides. And He says it's as easy as coming to Him. You gotta come to Him. The Bible talks about that all through the Gospels. I pointed out three or four verses. We have one written right here on our wall. Every, every Sunday, every time, every Sunday I sit in here and worship and I read this. I'll come in here during the week and read, contemplate this. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. If you're weary and burdened, Christ says himself, come to me. That's a wonderful invitation. There, there are a lot of days, a lot of times in my life I've been weary and burdened. You can come to Christ. You, you can, you can rest in him. You, you can, you can enjoy what he provides you. He'll, he'll satisfy you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, a few verses later, he said, leave the children alone and don't try to keep them coming to me because the kingdom of heaven is made up of people like this. Jesus was talking to these little children, but, but he drew a, a larger, he drew a larger analysis. He said, let, he said, let these people come to me. Let these little kids come to me because he said the kingdom of heaven is filled with people that come to me like children. You know, I, I've known people that come to Christ like children, and I, I, I pray that I've done that. But sometimes we try to outthink it and outsmart Jesus, and try to try to analyze and consider. But but I've known people that are just, you know, at, at the bottom line, in simple faith, I, I believe what He said. I trust Him. I acknowledge Him. I'll take it at face value. I'll come to Him just like He is. That's that's what He calls. But Jesus opens that up. Over in John chapter 5 verse 39, he said that. He said, um, he said to the people that were criticizing him, you pour over these scriptures because you think you have eternal life and yet they testify, but you're not willing to come to me so that you may have life. There are people that know everything about Jesus, but they haven't come to him. You gotta come to him. You gotta, you gotta do that. You gotta say, Lord, you're Lord of my life. You can have my life. You can do what you will. And then I like verse 37 in chapter 6. He says, everyone the Father gives to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, church, listen, I will never cast out. So when we come to him, when we come to him, we're his. He won't let us go. It's a permanent solution. It's, it's not, it's not something you gotta fix every year. It's not something you gotta be perfect to live up to. When you come to Him, He said, everybody the Father gives me will come, will come to me and I'll never let them go. 
And, 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 you know, we get into this, this predestination thing, and I don't want to confuse you, but I just want to tell you the Bible says whosoever will, whosoever comes, it's a wide open invitation. That's all you and I need to know. God, God in his providence understands far more, but you and I have to know it's a decision to come to Christ. When you, when you feel compelled to come to Christ, you come to him. And he'll never let you go. Never ever let you go. Come to him. Number three, drink. This is, this is, it's, 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 it's amazing to me that people who are thirsty will be surrounded by living water and not drink. Uh, the unbelieving heart, the person that's away from Christ is hard toward God. They listen. You, you might have had times in your life like that. I've had times in my life where the word of God just didn't follow me. It was like, it was like the word that fell on bad soil. It just, it just didn't sprout up. You gotta drink. You gotta, you gotta hear it. You gotta let it pour over your heart. Church, you gotta obey it. You gotta listen to it. You gotta do what it says. You gotta know what's in it. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life in John 6.35. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. If you come to him, you'll never be hungry. You believe in him, you'll never be thirsty. We have to praise him. We have to study his word. We have to worship him. You know, this this isn't the only time you worship. I think we can drink of Christ in our personal time. You can do it in the car and hear great music. You can do it in time of prayer. You can get you get the Bible in your quiet place at home and you can drink of the spirit of God. You can have part of him. That word will pour out into your life. But, but listen to number four. So, so everyone who's thirsty, come to Christ and drink. And then he gives us a promise of abundant water. I, I want you to listen to this carefully. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. What Jesus is doing here is introducing us to the Holy Spirit and its work in our life. You might say, oh boy, I know a lot of Southern Baptists, when you mention Holy Spirit, they just get glassy-eyed, and we all get afraid, oh no, what's going to happen? We're going to speak in tongues, we're going to run down the aisle. No, that, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not what he is. It, it's a promise. Jesus says that when we believe in him, and when we trust him, and when we give our life to him, he will place in us. Streams of abundant water that flow inside of us. How about that? Isn't that great? I mean, I get a little bit of water. I can drink that out of a cup. And Jesus said, if you do that, if you drink of him in your own humble, meager way, I will place in you streams of living water that will flow throughout the inner part of your life. He's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Real quickly, I want to go through. I want to introduce you. To what the Holy Spirit is in the Bible. In John chapter 14, we're going to get that. And, and you're going to have to stick around to about January to get that. Because that's, going, that's when we get there. But here we go. I'm going to give you an introduction to it. I want you to know what it is. The Holy Spirit is five things. It, it's God. It's not an it. It's not a, it's not a inanimate person. It, the Holy Spirit is a he. It is God. It is God himself. Jesus is saying, if you believe in him, if you drink, if you come to him, drink of him, he will fill you with God in his, in your own life, inside your life. How about that? And you don't have to feel it. 
You don't have to experience it. God has done it for you. He's placed him there. You don't have to, you don't have to activate the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you just have to listen to it. You have to obey him. You have to know that he's there. He's God. Number two. He's another form of Jesus. Jesus said that. He said, I'm going to send you another. And the Greek word actually means it's another, but like this, who's exactly the same. He's, he is giving us a form of Jesus in the body. When Christ left and the Holy Spirit came on the church at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled the believers that were in that room. How about that? For the first time, they felt the excitement of corporate worship. You can't worship without the Holy Spirit. Brother Keith prayed for the Holy Spirit to be powerful. Very accurate prayer. The Holy Spirit works within us. He works within this church. He works downstairs. He's working in countless ways in our life. We need him. He's another form of Jesus. When you get in trouble, when you're broken by grief, when you're overwhelmed by your situation, you have streams of living water living inside you. Isn't that great, church? I mean, that's what he's telling us. That's not my word. That's the way Jesus describes it. And don't we need that? Oh, that's a wonderful thing. Number three, he's our counselor. He's our advisor. He's our teacher. When you read a Bible scripture, you can't, you can't read the, 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 the Bible without the Holy Spirit influencing it. If you get quiet enough and you silence the world around you enough and you get all the demands of this life, you sit down with God and say, Lord, just speak to me through this text. This, this book is God's word. It's God's word to us. And you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you if you're a believer and you have this book, the Holy Spirit to explain what this book means to you and to you all across each of us. It's a personal message. Now, he, he advises us. He teaches us. A counselor means he's, he's our advocate. He stands up for us. A lot of these things come out of John chapter 14, just wetting your lips with what he is. But I want you to know, that's what, that's what, when Jesus says that we have streams of living water flowing from deep within us, this is what he's talking about right here. Next, he's a spirit of truth. Everybody says they want truth. I preached about truth last week. He is truth. This book is truth. The Holy Spirit is, is God in the form of Christ living inside of you and a spirit instructing you on what is truth. You can't make up truth. You don't invent your own truth. You don't come up with, well, this was truth last year, but it's not truth this year. No, God never changes. His word never changes. His standards never change. His law never changes. His love and compassion and forgiveness never changes. Never changes. It's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit living in you, teach you what's right and wrong. And, and that goes right next with this last one. The Holy Spirit's holy. You know, when the Holy Spirit lives in you and you sin, He'll let you know it. I've had times in my life that I've had no peace. I mean, the Holy Spirit will wake you up, keep you up, wear you out. Because it's he's holy. And if you're a believer and you're involved in sin in your life, you're holding a grudge, you're holding unforgiveness. You're, you know, some people say, you know, I just don't think I can pray when I'm, when I'm angry with somebody. That's right. The Holy Spirit's saying, you've got to settle this before we get on with that. If you've got sin in your life, 
You got something, some little thing nobody knows about. You're hiding, you're protecting. Holy Spirit knows that. He'll, he'll wind you up until you say, okay, I got it. He's not doing that to make you uncomfortable. He's doing that to make you more like Christ. To make you more in his image. That's what he does. So that's what we have. That's what Jesus said. That's why this is such a rich, wonderful invitation. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have streams of living water that flow from deep within him. That is what we have as believers. Streams of living water. To know that God is living in us. To be our counselor, our advocate. To teach us truth. To encourage us, to love us, to draw us closer to him. To keep us from sin. That's what he does. You know, a lot of, a lot of times we think when we come to Christ, we, we got the first part. We got to come to Jesus. And we walk down the aisle and we come to Jesus and, and we just put all the walls up and we say, well, I've done all this thing with God and I'm done. But you know, this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying when you come to him, you got to drink. And when you drink, you'll be satisfied. And then when the Holy Spirit plants in your life, you'll have these streams of living water that just flow out of your life. They begin the process of transforming you. Making you, as Paul says, into the image of Christ. Making you, where Paul says that you're a new creation. You're not an old, the old creation's gone. You're a new person. That's what it does. Salvation is important. It's not enough. You've got to be transformed. The Holy Spirit does that. You know, we got to be justified, made right. Salvation does that. When we come to Christ, he accepts our sins, he forgives us, but he doesn't leave us that way. Jesus said in John 14, I love this, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I love that. Have you ever felt like an orphan? You ever felt like you're just left out there? Jesus says, no, you have the Holy Spirit there. You know, you say, well, Jim, I don't feel him. You know, I don't experience the Holy Spirit. I, I've got to do something to make him work. No, you don't have to do anything to make him work. You just have to listen to him. He's there. You have all the Holy Spirit that you need if you're a believer in Christ. You have to be obedient. You have to listen to him. You, you have to, you have to obey him. You have to, you have to follow what he teaches you out of this book. The Holy Spirit tells you to get up on the roof of the church and jump off. You know, that's not the Holy Spirit because it's not consistent with this book. A lot of people get messed up and they, they tell people all kinds of weird things. Why? The Holy Spirit got me a parking place at Kmart. I don't think the Holy Spirit works like that. But I'll tell you one thing. The Holy Spirit will get in your life and he'll change you. And he'll, he'll wash the sin out of your life. He'll get, he'll, he'll wash, he'll make you a clean person. So that's our invitation to come to him. Jesus. You know, all these people there, they're having this big celebration all in Jerusalem, having a big time. The festival of tents, and they'd built their tents, and, and Jesus stood up in the middle of it, and he says, all you people, if you don't want to be thirsty, you better come to me and believe in me. And from me, you'll have streams of living water that live, that, that, that will operate deep within you. Well, that's an invitation for all of us. If, if you haven't come to him, you gotta do that. If you haven't drunk from him, you gotta do that. You gotta get close to him. You gotta, you gotta read his word. You gotta go to him in prayer. You gotta confess your sin. You know, I have a, 
I have a, a pastor friend of mine that we were talking one week and he says, you know, I'm tired of confessing my sins to God because I can do it so quickly. He says, I can go through a confession and, and, and in a minute say, God, forgive me for all that I've done. But he says, I've started writing my sins down. And he says, now they're a lot more personal. They're a lot more painful. And they're a lot more real. And he says, and God's starting to deal. See, that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So we don't have a lot of time today, church, but I, I pray that you'll come to him if you haven't. And, and you know, if you're drawn to him, you say, you know, there's something missing in my life. There's something that I don't have. There's something he's talking about up here that I need. And you don't have to understand it all. You, we can come to him uh, without a full faith, without complete understanding. We, we can come to him and the Holy Spirit will teach us and instruct us. That's what he calls us to do. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you will speak to us clearly today. And during this time, God, I just pray that you will show us how much you love us. If there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that you will convict their heart. You will move them to where they can't sit still. We thank you that you love us this much. That you draw us to you. That you make us the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.